This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hi, I'm Fern Nullum, and welcome to Into You, the podcast where we put love under the microscope, shedding light on the do's, don'ts, and nightmare scenarios we find ourselves in while flirting with romance. They go all in and it's really intense, and then they just like, too much, pull the plug. We all come at dating from a slightly different angle, but we are often faced with very similar situations to shape up to. From any sort of rejection, we can always learn a lesson, and then that helps redirect this pain into purpose. Dating can uncover things about ourselves we never knew before. So without further ado, let's get into you. Oh, you ready to go, Renee? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Kind of you to join me as we deconstruct the devilish dynamics of dating here on Into You. You found me amidst the second in a two-part series on ghosting. Spooky stuff. Last time we spoke to New York writer Stephanie DeLacy about what ghosting had done to her high spirits. What is it about me? Am I not smart enough? Am I not thin enough? successful enough and I just really start to doubt all the decisions I made and then my identity. And I found out how disappearing without a trace can leave the perpetrator feeling equally haunted in my chat with serial ghoster Colin Drucker. Not to be dramatic but that still haunts me. I feel so awful that I left someone feeling that way because that wasn't my intention. If you haven't yet heard that episode definitely make sure you check it out and give it the proper TLC it deserves. After opening Pandora's box when it came to the dating paranormal, I was left with many unanswered questions and keen to delve into the psychology behind the ghosting epidemic which has swept the world over the past few years. Luckily, I managed to track down a woman in the know, TV expert and advisor to some of the world's biggest dating sites and magazines, Renee Slansky. Today, we'll discover how to avoid the common mistakes which can make ghosting feel a hundred times worse. If you're focusing on pain, yes, what's going to happen? That pain is going to grow and grow and you're not going to feel peace and progress. And Renee recommends a psychological trick to speed up your post-ghosting recovery process. What we need to do is we need to discipline our thoughts and we do that by interrupting our brain patterns. But before we cut to our usual dose of deep dating debating, I had a confession to make about my communication with Renee behind the scenes. When I sent Renee the email about this podcast, I wrote it in white text so she couldn't read it. And I found that especially amusing because the episode, of course, is about ghosting. So essentially, the writing was there, but you couldn't see it, which is something as a blind woman I encounter on a daily basis. It was just sort of a trial of fire for you, Renee, but you passed. That is why you're a relationship expert. (laughs) I was like, maybe she's encrypted something. Maybe it's a secret message. Yeah. And I started moving my mouse. I was like, oh, no, it's all there. The writing's <laughs> on the wall, people. Sometimes we can't see it. Deep. Wow. We got there very quickly. <laughs> Renee, let's start at the very beginning. What is ghosting? Ghosting is when someone disappears from your life 
without a trace, whether you are dating them, whether you've been married to them. I've had clients that have been married to someone for seven or eight, even 13 years and had their husband ghost them. Friends ghost other people, family relationships. It's basically someone exits out of your life without any answers, without any contact or without any specific reason. And it haunts you because you have a whole lot of unanswered questions here. It is something that has probably been actually happening for centuries. However, obviously, because we have ways to communicate through text, through phone calls, through social media, for someone to go ahead and go someone and just cut or contact without any sort of rhyme or reason really leaves you in a state of disbelief. What's interesting is that women ghost men more than men ghosting women. Mm. Yet we seem to hear more about the women being affected by it more so than men. Do you think that is because it actually affects women in a bigger way emotionally? Or do you think that's more because men don't talk about their emotions quite as much? If a woman is intimate, a chemical gets released in her brain and that chemical is oxytocin. And oxytocin is present only in females' brain when they have sex. It isn't present in a male's brain. And oxytocin is a chemical that allows affection and attachment. So if you've had sex with someone and you've become attached to them, which then obviously draws you in emotionally to them, then they've ghosted you. Obviously, that's going to affect you more emotionally because your body and your brain has literally been put into starvation Mm. of this drug that it had, which is the other person. It really affects you psychologically. It affects you the same way that pain is inflicted upon you. It triggers those same sort of neurological chemicals and pathways in your brain. Now, women are also people that are far more emotional than they are males. They have a chemical pathway that makes them turn feelings and emotions into words. That doesn't happen for men. So automatically women are biologically programmed to be more emotional, to emotionally rationalize things or to emotionally react to things. Now, it's not to say that ghosting doesn't affect men in a deep way or it doesn't affect them emotionally, but again, they're not biologically built to talk about it. Either way, there's obviously some form of rejection in there. And rejection is going to affect everyone emotionally on some level, whether they do speak about it or not. And I guess there must be all manner of reasons why people ghost, but What are some of the most common reasons? They basically can't handle conflict or confrontation. So therefore they don't feel comfortable to say, hey, I don't want to date you anymore. I don't want to be in your life. Mm -hmm. It can be an indication of an attachment style. There's four different attachment styles. And one of those can be fearful avoidant, meaning they're so scared to be able to deal with what needs to be dealt with, whether it's conflict, whether it's addressing their own inner stuff. It may not even necessarily have to do anything with the other person that they're ghosting. And most of the time it doesn't. They, They avoid. They're fearful. They avoid, they run um, in the opposite direction because it's just too much for them to be able to handle. People ghost because it's convenient, because it means that they don't have to talk about things. They don't have to have that conversation of breaking up with someone. I think people ghost also because of shame, to be honest. They might be ashamed of something that they've done or who they are, and therefore they're not ready again to deal with that within themselves, or they're fearful of the other person's reaction or being judged. So therefore they just basically run. When we're in a very painful situation, it's so easy for us to be like, this must be me and I must have done something awful Mm. and I must be the only one this has ever happened to. How common is ghosting these days? It's anywhere between, you know, one in six people get ghosted. It's hard to say because 
not everyone talks about being ghosted or they don't realize they've been ghosted sometimes until later on down the track. They've just gone, oh, I never heard from that person. Maybe something happened to them. Do you think it's just become more common because, like you were saying, it's technology and we can easily cut off our connections now? Or do you think people have just become less emotionally attached to other people? I think it's a combination of generation after generation not dealing with underlying problems that need to be dealt with. Love education is about setting yourself up with wisdom and fundamentals to build a healthy relationship. And if we haven't had that literally ever, (laughs) then there's going to be byproducts of that. It's like if you have generational health problems, obesity or bad dieting, eventually it's going to lead to congenital diseases and things like that. Ghosting isn't just this magical phenomenon that happened out of nowhere. It is a byproduct of what has been happening gradually over time to now make it more common and more acceptable because it's more common. I think we have become a lazy society, to be totally honest. We don't like confronting problems, especially if it brings a level of accountability, which telling someone, hey, I'm not really into you, does produce a level of accountability and responsibility and respect. And we don't like that. So we're taking the easy way out. It doesn't really help us to become the best version of ourselves or to be able to attract the best partner back. Now, at the end of the day, there are consequences to our decisions and there are consequences to our actions. So if we have the mentality of, oh, I'm just not going to talk to that person, I'm not going to give them an answer and I'm okay with that, you might be okay with it on a surface level, but eventually there's still going to be a deeper level consequence there. Whether it means that you're someone that is slowly reprogramming your brain to not confront and to not respect, you will reap that back. And so we have to understand that ghosting isn't just about affecting someone else and hurting someone else that you're ghosting. It will actually affect you too. Even though you might think that you're okay with it in the beginning, it will affect you eventually. Speaking of intentions, some might consider this a bit of a dark question, but does anyone ever think I'm going to do this just to hurt someone in some way? Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, (laughs) the answer is yes. There are people out like that. Because you have to look at some of the comments on my YouTube channel (laughs) and you'll find half of them on there. (laughs) People do it for revenge sometimes. I know that I've had a lot of followers say, I got ghosted by a girl or I got ghosted by a guy. And then that person's got back in contact with me. I'm going to now ghost them. I'm going to set them up for the same heartache that they gave me. Mm. And obviously it becomes like a revenge motive. But majority of the time, ghosting is something that people don't necessarily go out of their way to try and do to others. It's something that has happened because of they realize they don't want to be with that person or they're not ready within themselves to do what's necessary to be in a relationship. Definitely find a whole spectrum of people in the YouTube comments, huh? (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I always say, if you want to know just how many people are out there in different character types, start a YouTube channel. (laughs) You'll meet them all. Brace yourself. (laughs) Yes, take a deep breath. So say you're in a situation where you are dating somebody and everything was going fine, but all of a sudden the unthinkable has happened. They have stopped messaging you. What do you do if you are maybe listening to this now and you're thinking, oh my God, am I being ghosted? The first thing that you've got to do is let the ghost lie in the tomb. Don't necessarily go searching for answers. If someone ghosts you, you won't probably know straight away that they have ghosted you. All you'll do is you'll have a little bit of radio silence. You'll probably send a few messages, try to call them a few times, which is normal. And you would do that. You almost have like a bucket of ice water thrown over us going, oh, what's going on here? This isn't normal. And it's not normal. Don't 
guilt trip yourself just because you have reached out a few times to try and work out what's going on here because ghosting isn't normal behavior. And your response to want to reach out and have answers is a normal reaction. Okay. So there's no point condemning yourself or guilt tripping yourself. However, if you find that after you've consistently tried to reach out, and when I say reach out, don't go and send them 50 million texts or 50 million phone calls. If you're starting to think, "Mm, okay, this is bizarre. I'm not hearing from them. Either something drastically has happened or they've ghosted me. You need to be strategic in what texts that you send to them. For example, sending a text to them saying something along the lines of, I haven't heard from you. I don't know what's happened. I hope that you're okay. I'm guessing that because I haven't heard from you, you're not wanting to have anything to do with me, which I respect. I would respect even more if you could just give me some feedback as to why we didn't work or why you don't want to see me. If not, no harm done. Wish you all the best. What it is, it's a really mature response where you're expressing concern, but you're also keeping them accountable to their behavior and you're asking for feedback at the same time. Because most of the time, people love giving feedback, right? And then you've got some sort of answer. Now, if they're a real ghost to ghoster, they won't respond back at all. And that's when you take that as your closure. Their action is your answer. And that has to be your closure. So hard. That is so rational. And it's so (laughs) right. It's completely right. But of course, you're in that heightened emotional state. Mm. Now, you won't feel closure. This is the thing. Closure can't be based on feelings or someone else's actions. Closure has to be based on a choice. And if you're going to keep digging up the grave, trying to find the body, trying to find the answers when they've disappeared, you are going to magnify that anxiety. And it all becomes this treasure hunt for a treasure that doesn't exist. And so we have to be aware of where we're putting our energy, redirecting. What I suggest doing on a practical level is removing their contact from your phone, removing their contacts from your social media, and even blocking them back so that you aren't tempted to reach out to them or tempted to put things on your own social media or your own things to try and get them. This is what the person has done. And you have to look at what they've done, not who you want them to be, and not the answers that you necessarily desire or you want them to have this revelation. Dating someone is a character assessment. And if you've dated someone and they've ghosted you, take that into account of who this person is and where they're at. Now, if they're doing this and they're okay with it, you shouldn't be okay with it and you shouldn't continue to feed something if it's not going to go where you eventually want it to go anywhere. Put those blocks to protect yourself from trying to go and dig it up and give yourself time to grieve that relationship, even if it was a really short one. Renee's alternative take to our intuitive desperation and despair in the wake of being ghosted was intriguing. It felt like she was setting out a challenge for the ghosted to take back their power and walk out through the door of a haunted house they had unwittingly constructed inside their own mind. But here on Into You with me, Fern Dullum, the podcast you're listening to right now, I was eager to find out how easy it is to let someone down more gently. So, as is the protocol of most scientific studies in 2021, I put out a post on social media asking what the best alternative to ghosting might be. And here are a selection of my favourite answers. The sentence reads... Instead of ghosting someone, just say, dot, 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 finish the sentence. Dan, you know they say you can have too much of a good thing. That's us together. Best call it a day now. Nice self-esteem boost for both of you there, Dan. Julia, I'm glad we were a match, but I don't feel the spark. 
I mean, who doesn't like breaking up in puns, Julia? Holly, instead of ghosting someone, just say, I can't stand ghosting, so I thought I'd send you this message instead. Ooh, stomach plunge, Holly. And Jake, instead of ghosting someone, just say, this isn't me rejecting you. It's me helping you to find the right person faster. <laughs> in other words, don't hate me. I'm the good guy. Yeah, nice one, Jake. Renee was helping me to see relationships with ghosters for what they really were, a faint mirage of something mesmerising and beautiful which could vanish at any moment in a mystical puff of smoke. Naturally, there had to come a point where you put to bed the possibility of a ghoster ever coming back, and I wondered if there was any benchmark for when to give up the ghost and call it a day should you sort of leave it until you go okay I'm gonna send that text just give me an answer basically and then when do you say enough is enough I need to move on now depends on how long you've had a relationship with that person so if you've only just had maybe one date and then you haven't heard back from them and maybe they've said to you oh let's catch up on Friday and then Thursday comes around you send a text saying hey just checking our plans radio silence again Friday comes just checking our plans radio silence they don't deserve your attention and your energy anymore. Now, if you've had a relationship with someone or you've been seeing them for maybe three months, six months, and they've just completely disappeared, I think in this instance, it's a combination between doing it when you feel you need to do it, but then also having some boundaries around that. So if you feel that you need to say a few things what I suggest in this instance is writing it in your notes first on your phone, coming back to it, editing out a few things that you need to edit before actually sending that text message. They know what they've done. And therefore, if they're ready to repent of what they've done and actually rebuild trust with you and explain why they've done it, they will reach out to you. There is no point chasing a ghoster. They don't want to be found. Hence why they've disappeared in the first place. Ghosting is wounding. Healing from something isn't about focusing on feelings. Healing is about focusing on actions that will eventually get you to the place of feeling what you do want to feel, which is healing and peace and progress. Allow yourself to feel what you feel, but don't necessarily react when you feel that. For example, if you're feeling angry, don't necessarily send 50 million angry texts. <laughs> don't sit in those feelings to a point where those feelings start to become your identity or those feelings start to affect your actions negatively. Oh, yes, that is very, very needed advice. I think it's just so easy, isn't it, to do something in the spur of the moment and then later on look back at it and think, oh, I really wish I hadn't. <laughs> I really wish I hadn't sent that text now. Can you ever be to blame if someone has ghosted you? Have you ever done anything wrong? From any sort of rejection, we can always learn a lesson. And then that helps redirect this pain into purpose. I'll give you an example of when I was ghosted. <laughs> Not my finest moments, I will say. This was back in the day when I had no idea how to love. I was working on the streets. Uh, oh, that sounds really bad. I was working <laughs> as a charity worker. Charity worker. Right. Uh, I was getting people to sign up for cancer. You really completely <laughs> turned it around there. Uh, wow. <laughs> so this guy signed up. I started having conversations like, oh, would you like to go to the movies? And I was like, yeah, that'd be nice. Why not? And we ended up on a date and we had a second date. I think on the third date, I cried to him about how much I still loved my ex-boyfriend. 
right? Uh, Misty tears. He's like comforting me, this and that. Never heard from him ever again. Now, was that him or was it me? Pretty sure that was me in that instance. I had self-sabotaged by taking away from him by talking about an ex, which you shouldn't do, and then crying and being an emotional mess. This is why I never heard from him again. For me, I was like, okay, that's a lesson for me. Another time that I got ghosted was I was working on a shoot with this male model who was all like, you know, like the seducer. And I wasn't playing to his games. And then he's like, oh, you know, I'll come pick you up and we'll have a great date and this and that. And he didn't. He basically stood me up and then I never heard from him again. So it can work both ways. You have to take it for face value. Moving on and getting progress in your love life, it isn't necessarily about dissecting all the time. Ah, that's where I've been going wrong. (laughs) Is dissecting this going to give you peace? Because if it isn't, don't do it. And it's good to talk about stuff. It's good to understand why stuff happens. However, only to a point because what you focus on is what grows. And if you're focusing on pain, yes, what's going to happen? That pain is going to grow and grow and you're not going to feel peace and progress. Do it to a point where you go, okay, again, what can I learn from this? Why did this happen? Allow yourself to feel what you feel, but then put practical actions in place that are going to help you heal eventually and help you understand that, hang on a second, I don't need to keep thinking about this because it doesn't serve me every time I do think about it. You may never have your answers. And that is something that you have to make peace with. And the way that you make peace with it is you understand it is going to serve you more to focus on what you can control rather than what you can't control. And what are some of those practical actions that you can put in place to help yourself move forward? I would remove temptation first, remove contacts, remove physical reminders and triggers around the house. It's a breakup essentially. If there's photos of you, maybe little gifts that they gave you, put that somewhere else. Now you may not be ready to throw it out, put it in a box and put it out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. You can at least give yourself and your brain an opportunity to be able to start to adjust to this new environment and presence of not having that person in it. You don't get rid of a memory, but you can choose which memory to magnify. And so if you remove some of these memory triggers, it's going to mean that you give an opportunity for yourself to build new memories on top of old memories. And then if you're focusing on those new memories, that is going to obviously be more magnified and then your brain's going to just focus on that rather than the past. Do not engage in conversations with friends and family about the person because that's just going to, again, bring up a whole lot of emotion. Scientifically proven, whenever we speak, a chemical reaction goes off in our brain. That's why we get affected by words. So don't go and talk about it. It is so tempting to just want to talk about, let's say his name's John. Oh, John, 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 John. Yes, talk about it, but talk about it in a controlled environment. For example, talk about it with a therapist, talk about it with a coach who has a perspective that is going to help you see things that you don't see. Friends will be like, yeah, he's this, he's that. And oh, oh have you thought about doing this? You'll get two results. You get either friends that like hate on them or you'll get friends like, no, just give him another chance. Maybe send him another message. And then you'll just have a whole lot of confusion and confliction going on. Yes. And then you'll start justifying reaching out to oh, him again. Oh yeah, because right? it builds your hope up and oh, mm, messy. Mm. Or they're like, just send him that last message and tell him he's this and that. And you're like, yeah, I should. I, I could do that. And all it does is you get nothing back and then you just hate yourself for sending out that message and then you hate him even more but then you're like but I love you and it's just all this roller coaster of a message so don't make them the focus of the conversation and the other thing to do is obviously you will be thinking about them 
okay? And that's difficult. It's like when someone dies, you can't stop thinking or feeling for them. What we need to do is we need to discipline our thoughts. And we do that by interrupting our brain patterns. And we do that with actions. This is why actions are so powerful. For example, if you're sitting at your desk and you're like, go off on this tangent when we think about someone and all of a sudden it brings up all this emotion and before you know it, you've already planned your whole life with them or had a million reasons and then you're like, oh yeah, but, and you rationalize yourself into justifying why you should text them, why you should reach out to them. When in reality, you're probably not going to get an answer back or you're not going to get the answer that you want. Interrupting that neurological path that you have with an action. Now that action might be getting up from your desk. That action might be, I'm going to go and make a cup of tea or I'm going to write down six goals for myself. I'm going to go and call my grandma and see how she is. Do some sort of positive action, obviously, that has some sort of intention in the moment to interrupt that pattern in your brain so that your brain becomes distracted from going on that tangent of thinking about that person. It's an anxious cycle, isn't it? I know in the past when it's happened to me, I've very much tried to shift my focus, but then my brain will tell me, oh, but you're just doing that to take your mind off this and this isn't going to go away. And your mind really does find every way possible to try and Hmm. keep you in that thought. You are trying to distract your brain. Don't feel guilty for that. Be like, yeah, brain, I am. And you know what? What are you going to do about it? I'm going to distract it again and again. And it's funny because I have a client at the moment and she's trying to move on from a guy and she's like, oh, I'm going to do sport, this and that. And her friend said, oh, you're just doing all these activities to distract yourself. And she's like, oh, I feel guilty. And I'm like, do not feel guilty. You need to do this. You need to distract yourself. You've got to do what you have to do sometimes in order to be able to get the progress you want. As long as it's healthy, don't go, oh, I'm going to go and sleep with lots of people to distract myself. That isn't a healthy motive. But doing positive things, yeah, absolutely. Own that distraction. Love that. That's so good. I know that a lot of people will say that just before somebody ghosted them, they felt like everything was going wonderfully and then all of a sudden it's 180 and they've gone. What is it that suddenly changes in somebody that makes them go from, oh my gosh, you're the best thing since sliced bread to I don't want anything more to to do with you? Fear. In one word, fear. And that's usually fear on that person's part that has done the ghosting. They go all in and it's really intense and then they just like too much, (laughs) pull the plug. And they basically aren't ready to be who they need to be in that relationship or they don't feel that they're enough in that relationship or their pain and things that they haven't dealt with has now come to the surface because there's that new level of vulnerability, that new level of love, and they just don't know how to deal with it. And yeah, pretty much if a relationship is going really amazing and they've pulled the plug, 99.9% of the time it's to do with them, not you. If it's too good to be true, it's probably... Not too good. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Just lastly, ghosting is such a negative topic. What positives can we take? What can we learn? from ghosting? Like anything, when something happens the way that we don't want it to go, we can either choose to take the negative from it or the positive. Always see rejection as redirection. Always understand that there is purpose in everything, even if it's not fun. And how can we purpose that pain? Whether it's I've been ghosted by someone, instead of getting too angry about it so I don't learn anything or just wallowing in it and then becoming desperate, what did this teach me about myself? What did it teach me about dating? Did I rush things? Did I not see the red flags? What do I need to learn from this to make sure that it doesn't happen into a pattern? What can you learn from it in order to be able to prevent it from happening again and to enhance something in yourself along the way? Whether that is, you know what, I deserve more than this and I don't want to be with someone that is 
willing to just disappear on me because I know my worth and my value. Such an emotional roller coaster and obstacle course. But thank you for helping us navigate <laughs> the tricky oh. topic. I'm very grateful for all of your advice. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Fern. Speaking to Renee had equipped me with lots of tools in preparation for if I ever run into a ghoster in the future. I hope it helped you to take a closer look at this emotionally messy minefield too and gain some insights to take forward. If you were ghosted, how would you handle it? Leave me a comment and let me know. For now though, you've been listening to Into You with me, Fern Lullen. Special thanks to my guest, Renee Slansky, whose links will be in the show notes. Also to Joshua Holland and Sam Robinson for technical support and to the manager of AMI, Andy Frank. Leave me your feedback at feedback at ami.ca. If you liked what you heard, make sure to search for Into You on your favourite or indeed any podcast distributing platform and subscribe for more episodes coming your way on the first Thursday of every month. The highlight of the month, I like to think. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.